You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the batter's box with our very first performer from the stadium to join us in 2022. Uh, You know full well by now, if you've listened to Break a Bat for a while, that uh, some of our chats with guys who take on the roles of middle infielders in their playing career are among some of my favorites as a host. And I'm sure today will be no different. Our special guest had a big league career that spanned 12 seasons, primarily for the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he was selected to an all-star game, won a Silver Slugger Award, had a 200-hit season. And he's actually one of only two break-of-bat hitters to have a season in which he led the league in triples. He was one of the best shortstops of the mid-2000s, and I'm so grateful he could join us today. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just be on the marquee. Now batting Jack Wilson. Jack, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. How's everything going out in Thousand Oaks, California? Ooh, nah, it's great. A little windy today, but uh, no, overall, it's always nice being in Southern California. It doesn't get too cold, doesn't get too hot. So right now it's kind of perfect, you know, 70 degrees. You know, it's it's nice to it's nice to be here. It's nice to to have this weather, my, my kids are all athletes. So it's nice to be able to go out and play year round sports. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And your son's quite a player too, right? Yeah, no, it's exciting. He's over in Phoenix, Arizona at Grand Canyon university. Um, I'm wearing all their swag stuff right now being proud dad. So yeah, he's over there. He's a sophomore this year. He's, he's doing really well. It's a really great and upcoming program with great coaches. So, um, we're excited to get the season started here. I think opening days, February, 18th and i know everyone hears opening day and they're like oh mlb but like <laughs> we're, we're really excited for opening day college baseball that's like our main focus right and now. who knows if there's <laughs> gonna be an mlb opening day right right <laughs> i know i know it's it's tough i feel for the fans out there and players and stuff like that just having just so many question marks leading up to this i mean right about now i was talking to my wife the other day like we're we would be like a week and a half from leaving to go to a spring training and and now these guys are kind of have to wait and see and you know it's it's tough but it's part of it i guess you know yeah i mean listen you're smart you got out of the game before rob manfred (laughs) (laughs) we had our fair share of scares though i mean i got lucky in my 12 years that that we ended up never having to be pushed back or anything like that but there was some serious stuff coming up that they would like let us know ahead of time like hey this offseason could be something and they would come together and it wouldn't be that big of a deal but you know this one seems to be a little bit more stressful, I guess. Yeah. And I'm always pro player with this type of stuff, especially with kind of what happened with the last uh, CBA negotiation. But Jack, I know that we're an audio only platform. The folks at home can't see this. It looks like you kind of have like, it's kind of like a baseball meets entertainment man cave behind you. Some of your memorabilia and some Hollywood stuff there. What what do we have going on back there? Actually, most of my baseball stuff's this way. Um, I got like, you know, I got some cool, uh, like jerseys that are framed up on my ceiling because I, I kind of lost room for everything. I have a bat rack with a bunch of signed bats from guys that I really liked playing against. But then 
all sports. I was a big soccer player growing up. And then when I was in Seattle, I was a big Seattle Sounders fan. So I got some Sounders stuff up. I got some Penguin stuff up with Sidney Crosby and Mario Lemieux. And uh, we used to go to their spring trainings when, you know, their spring trains were happening kind of the end of our season. So we would go watch them kind of warm up and do their thing. Just kind of a room that it's just kind of sports and everything that's kind of happened in my life and my career that I can pass on and talk about to people that come over or my kids and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's full now. I don't have any more room, which is good because I don't have anything else to put up there. <laughs> so it's been, uh, it, it's been great to kind of collect all this stuff and be able to talk to people and tell stories about it. Now, does it feel like you've been out of the game for 10 years now? I mean, you had been at it, you know, you, you basically, you retired in the middle of 2012, I guess. I mean, does it feel right. like it's been a full decade without putting on the uniform? You know what? It has. It's it just gone by so fast because I think, gosh, I think I've never been more busy in my life than when I stopped playing baseball. I mean, with, you know, you know, for the majority, you know, mo every, you know, every bit of my career, I was a father after my first year and, you know, mama was running the house. And when I came in the off season, I just kind of, I was the number two role. I wasn't even one A, one B. It was straight. You are number two. Like you got to learn your place here. So like I had to kind of filter into that, but then I retired and then it was more, you know, partnership, more one, a one B. Okay. What, what is my role as a full-time dad? Because it was like, I'm always playing baseball, always traveling somewhere. So, you know, you know, coaching travel ball, doing, you know, AYSO soccer, doing, you know, high school baseball and travel around and just being with the kids. It goes by so fast, but it's been a blast. It was perfect timing for me to really dive into my family. Now, do you go back and watch your old games? You know, some of those four hit performances or, you know, maybe even the, uh, Oh, four all-star game. Uh, not really. Um, you know, every now and then if I like, cause I like to teach, I've really been into coaching, you know, since I, since I retired. So there's certain things that I like to pull up if there's a certain highlight or a low light, whatever it may be, uh, that I would want to like kind of point out you know, like a certain counter, you know, a certain at bat, I guess, a a picture or whatnot where it was applicable to the, what I was trying to teach at that moment, but really kind of that stuff, but nothing really like nostalgic and looking back and like, you know, cause you end up thinking like, man, like I wish I'd done this. I could have done this better. And, you know, you start thinking about that stuff and, and, you know, I just want to enjoy, I look back and I'm really happy and proud of, of what I was able to accomplish and against the all odds and all that stuff, because it's, you look back and I watch games now. I watch major baseball games. Like, how did I even play at that level to me? Cause it's just like, it's been such a long time. I don't even remember, you know, most of it because it was all, it was so every day, it was an everyday routine. So, but, uh, I, I, I love, I love the game. I love teaching. So it's been, it's been nice to stay involved. You really do have a lot to be proud of because not to mention you were coming up as a minor leaguer in the heart of the steroid era. So, I mean, you really yeah. had to perform at a high level at a young age if you wanted to just get to the show and yet alone stay. I mean, that in itself, because right. you came up, it was literally, what, 2001, right at the heart of this? 2001, yeah. Opening day 2001, I was with St. Louis and then I got traded over to Pittsburgh the year before. So um, they really didn't have anybody in their system at shortstop. So I guess that's what they were needing. And I was stuck behind Renarita and Vina. I was still a couple of years away anyways, because I was only in double A. Um, but kind of getting sent over to Pittsburgh kind of gave me that, you could say the HOV lane, kind of just freeway right to right to the show and was able to to be there and kind of take my lumps early, you know, as a, as a, as a major leaguer instead of going through AAA and stuff like that. Did you like playing in Pittsburgh? I did. Oh, a perfect place for, for me. My dad was really big on respect to the game, playing the game the right way. You know, and Pittsburgh is the blue collar town of the United States. They're all about, they work, they work hard for their money. The steel workers, that whole city, the fans, um, they just, they just want people to, to represent their city. So it was almost a perfect mixture because it was kind of just how I was always taught how to play from my, from my father and my coaches. So I was super young. I was 23, but I looked like I was 16. So I think when I got to spring training, people were, you know, were referring to me as the back boy because that's what I looked like. And like, no, I'm actually in camp trying to make, trying to make the squad. But so it was, you know, I grew up there. I, you know, I, my, my kids were raised there. So I, one of my you know favorite places in the world for sure. Now, obviously, you know, at the time, the Pirates, they were in a little bit of a dry spell, but you were really one of the bright lights of those teams in like the mid 2000s. And, and you got regular playing time almost immediately. Um, what was it about 2004 
where everything just came together and you posted, you hit 308, led the league in triples, 201 hits, made the all-star team silver slugger, the whole nine yards. What was it that clicked all of a sudden, you know, three year, three full years into the league? Well, I think mostly my whole life I was offensive. That was always been one of my things. I was actually wasn't a very good defender still around double A is when I started to kind of figure out my athleticism was kind of, I was starting to slow down the game a little bit. I was always just rush everything. So I was able to get better defensively, but you know, I'd always hit my entire life, like upper, you know, if I'm not leading the team, I'm second. I, you know, I, I got drafted immediately won a batting title in the Appalachian league hit 370, then follow that and ball hit 340, you know, so I was always a hitter. And when I got to big league camp and I ended up making the team, the, the consensus from what I understood was like, Hey, you're going to struggle, but we, you know, you're here for your defense, you're really going to struggle. So I really focused on that part of my game more than I did offensively. I wanted to hit, I knew I could hit, but I was also kind of in the, okay, you want me to field the ball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend most of my time trying to make sure that happens. And I kind of threw hitting off to the side. And then I struggled for like three weeks. They sent me back. Then I was like, all right, I got to figure out this, but I'm facing AAA pitching compared to big league pitching was unreal. Like it was like, there was such a big drop off back then between big leaguers and AAA guys. And so I was killing, I ended up hitting 370 in the one month I was there, came back. I'm like, Oh, big league pitchers back again. They're, they're kind of filthy. So I kind of just threw it in the back burner. Most of my off season was focused on defense. Cause that's how I had, that's how I think I was going to keep my job. No matter what, if my defense was there, I was going to be on the field. And in 2003, I literally just said, I'm sick of not hitting. So I focused my whole off season on hitting. I was like, you know what? I'm going back to what I used to do. Everybody says I can't hit because at three years in the big leagues at 23 years old, I was struggling, but I was just trying to figure everything out. And I, I literally focused my whole offseason just to offense. And then 2004 happened. So it was like, sweet. All right, cool. It was also one of my worst defensive years too. So it's kind of like, it was really tough to balance the two because I needed to be an upper echelon type defended player because that was my, my way to stay in the game, to stay in the big leagues and help the Pirates out. But at the same time, I was just like, I really want to hit. I really want to get back to being on the positive side offensively. Right. I mean, and you know, you strike the balance of, you know, you're out in the field playing shortstop, but you're also 10 for your last 20 and you're itching to get back in the batter's box because you're hot. Right. So naturally, mm-hmm. I think the focus sometimes is going to waver. That's natural. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a thought process, especially in the off season. Every off season is different. You want to focus on something from the year before that you want to get better at while still staying, you know, clinging to what what you're best at so i think i just shifted over and said you know i'm, I'm tired of hitting 250 i hit 220 my first year and 250 the next two is like i'm not a one for four type guy i used to go if i went one for four or one for five in the Marlies, it was a bat it like i was coming home and we were hanging up a, a blanket and my wife was soft tossing me freaking wiffle balls and hitting it into the blanket in the middle of our living room in our rented apartment like it was not happening like it was a bad day <laughs> So I expected myself to get two hits every single day in the minor leagues. And I didn't have that feeling again until 2004, where I started expecting myself to be better. I mean, you retired as a 265 big league hitter. Isn't it nuts now? You see the league batting average is 240. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different game. It's just a different, I don't even know if I would have a place in this game, to be honest with you, because really no one hits the ball on the ground anymore. Everybody's trying to go deep. So it's a, it's, you know, it's one of those, Every 10 or 15 years, you see a kind of a, a shift in different things. And that's just the way it is now. It's just, it's a different, very boring game. <laughs> <laughs> no, the three true outcomes. I can't stand it. I agree. Oh, well, that's me. It's just strikeouts don't matter. Um, you know, there's no, there's no bunning. There's no hit and running. There's no baseball. Like the baseball for the, for 120, 130 years was the same. And then now it's completely different than what it used to be. And, you know, it's just not as entertaining to me as a, as a former player. I, I don't watch Major League Baseball anymore. I watch the box scores and I root on the Pirates, but that's about it. And I love watching college because it's still bunting. It's still hit and running and still bunt plays. It's still, you know, enforcing the basics of the game that has been around for so long. The only thing I'm going to disagree with you on is you said you're not sure if you would have a place in today's game. I'm not a huge analytics sabermetrics guy but you put up defensive wars that are like you know typical of what we would have seen with Andrelton Simmons a few years ago what Omar Vizquel was doing back in the day and Ozzie Smith 
who were your guys growing up? You know, I know that soccer was kind of your first sport back then, but like, you know, as far as like idols at shortstop, like, you know, coming up through the minor league system or even before that, did you have like certain idols that you uh, emulated yourself after on defense? I played so much soccer. I didn't even play much baseball. So I didn't even like root for it. I, I followed Kurt Stillwell, uh, who was a middle infielder shortstop. He had about 11 years in the big leagues. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, he was a hometown hero. He went to Thousand Oaks High School where I went, and he was in the big leagues while I was in high school. So I really kind of clung to him. As you know, I used to look at his retired number in the outfield and just be like, "Oh man, I, I kind of want to do that." Because at, at some point towards the end of my high school career, I started to realize that baseball was probably going to be the best way to go to con- continue to play sports. There was no MLS at the time. Had there been, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because I would have tried to go for that because I was much better at soccer in high school than I was at baseball. And it was my passion. It was my first love. So um, so I really didn't pay attention to much baseball. I really didn't, wasn't really as interested in it as I was in watching the United States national team and Kobe Jones and Eric Winalda and Tommy Miola. Like that was my, that was my niche. That was my thing. So I really didn't have any, any team or really other than, other than Kurt Stillwell. That was about it. Wow. So I didn't know that. So the reason why you didn't pursue soccer or the reason why you chose to pursue baseball was strictly because you had a chance to play it on a professional level. Yeah. I think I was looking, you know, I think any kid coming up through high school, your goal is like, man, I wish that'd be great to be able to play a sport as a, for a long time, you know, be an athlete and get paid for it. So I knew I had two avenues at three. I was a football kicker. I kicked field goals. I had a really big leg. So I actually got more offers for that than I did the other two sports. The problem is I was an idiot and didn't do my homework and my GPA was way too low to actually accept any of those. So, <laughs> so I, ended up, I ended up going to junior college, but I, I remember my last soccer game in high school. We tied against our rivals on the very last game and we didn't make playoffs that year. And I cried my eyes out because I knew that was it. Because I knew there wasn't anything. But if there was an MLS at that time and it would have been starting out fresh that might have been something i would have pursued instead i don't know exactly if that would have been like probably someone would have just slapped me in the face be like you're an idiot all right go try to play baseball you can do pretty decent you might work out but but the soccer was my thing for sure wow that's that's just amazing to me because you know once in a while you know you talk about like not watching the game you know that much growing up but amy you know these days it seems like in order to reach the major leagues you have to play on all these travel baseball teams year round essentially right. it's just like it's just a completely different process you obviously had some god given talent which uh certainly served you but i just feel like the, you you see it from your coaching perspective like these travel showcases right. that you have to do and all these you know you're constantly having to travel on the road you know while you're you know still in elementary oh, yeah. school in some cases it's crazy and it's like that's it's what terrible. it takes it's a tough road, you know, especially too. Like, you know, kids are committing to colleges earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, you got kids that are, well, I had a player in high school that committed to a, a university eighth grade, you know, it's, and they feel like they have to do all these showcases all summer. And I always tell them, it's like, I was a high school coach for five years at Thousand Oaks High School, my alma mater. And I was always like, listen, I played three sports in, in high school. I say baseball players who play other sports stick out because they can do things athletically that just baseball players can't do because their, their bodies are trained to do different athletic movements that transfer over. I said, I, I tell them, I said, I would never played shortstop as well as I possibly could if I didn't have the footwork from being a forward and having to move them, manipulate the ball, make hard cuts, sprint, get up, you know, do whatever I needed to do to get to a place to take a shot, a score a goal or set somebody up that footwork translated over to, to what I needed to do at shortstop. And I was able to do things that probably is just a shortstop that didn't play any other sports couldn't do. I was used to hitting the ground and getting back up. I was used to my feet going really fast and making quick movements because I wasn't a fast guy, but I, I was quick and quick is better than fast when it kind of comes to soccer. So like those, the footwork was huge for me that I developed playing a completely different sport. So you'll find a lot, if you look at all your, you know, your superstar athletes, you'll find that most of them played other sports in high school. That's something else. And now once you reach the show, um, do you have like a favorite game, a favorite moment on the field that stands out above the other Jack? Yeah. I'm, and honestly, it's funny too, cause I, I've gotten this question before and you always have these really cool games or you have these really cool experiences and for me, it's not even about like anything that I did. I loved watching Freddie Sanchez win a batting title, like watching him throughout the year, being a bench guy to start the year off, 
pinch hitting and going like 12 for like 15. And then Joe Randa breaks his foot on a foul ball and he becomes a third baseman and he gets 200 hits and hits 350, whatever he ended up doing. But watching him as a young player who hadn't established himself yet, watch him. And then in the final day beat out Miguel Cabrera by knowing that all he needed to do was get one hit and going out to dinner with him the night before and having him like, you could just see it spinning in his head. Like he's one hit away from being a, a batting title, you know, holder. And so that moment when he got that hit, I was on first base and I just, that to me, I, I still get chills. That to me was like the coolest thing to, to see him achieve that and to be on the field and be, he was my double play partner. Like he played third base that year. He ended up being my double play partner for the next five years together. And we played, we played travel ball together in high school. So it was all just a really cool experience. And I, I liked kind of seeing that point of view rather than something that I did or, or something like that. It was more like, I love those events where seeing other people's lives change and having their type of events, you know, that was cool to be a part of. You're like the ultimate teammate because that is probably the most humble answer that we've ever had yeah. in the batter's box. You're just the ultimate teammate. I think, I think most guys will tell you that like if they, if there's something that happens, something so crazy and it's kind of, to somebody and to see where they started off and see how their career was going and, and, and to see that all happen. I think, I think anybody would have that answer for the most part because yeah, all-star games are cool or you have a four hit game or you hit a, you have a two run home run game in Houston. That was, that was awesome. But it, it doesn't really measure up to some of the things like Rob McCobiak hit a game winning Homer in game one of a double header. And then he get a game tying Homer in the second game of the double header while having a baby in the morning. You, like that stuff to me like yeah i had two homers in one game but dude hit two homers on the day of his birth of his uh i think his it was his son's birth he came to the field played a double header walk off first game game time homer in the ninth the second game i'm like okay my two homer game means absolutely nothing now because that was the coolest thing ever you know so it's just like those those moments to me were were super special to to, to see firsthand you know as a teammate Oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, you've, you had a lot, you mentioned, you know, a number of your teammates, you got to play with some pretty cool ones and you ended up playing in Atlanta towards the end of your career. You got to play mm -hmm. with Chipper Jones. Um, I know you spent time with Ichiro in Seattle. You got to watch so yeah. many of these legends and play alongside so many of these great, you know, hall of fame or future hall of fame players. I mean, it, right. it, it's just, and, and in some senses, like we're never going to see another Ichiro Suzuki. There's not too right. many guys like yeah. Chipper Jones, switch hitters hitting 300 with, you know, a 900 OPS, for example, you know, it's just yeah. like, what a unique time. Griffey for a year and a half too in Seattle at the end of his career. Oh, that, what was he yeah. like in the clubhouse towards the end? Cause I know there's that story I mean, <laughs> about. He's so awesome. Oh, he's awesome. Okay. Not, oh, he's the best. He's the best. He's a big kid. He loved being a baseball player. He loved being in the clubhouse. I think that's what, he cherished most. I mean, obviously one of the greatest, you know, top maybe five baseball players of all time of what he can do on all facets of the game. And he was just a, you know, he was the glue in our clubhouse. He was so much fun to be around. He really loved the game. And I think he really, towards those last couple of years where he, you know, returned back to Seattle to kind of finish the story that he had written. Um, I think that he just had a lot of fun and he treated everybody awesome. He was just a great guy. You know, he, you know, he always gets all these um, autograph requests, like he'll get you know, his dugout and, you know, you got probably two dozen boxes from the other side, from the other team wanting Ken Griffey Jr. autographs. And he's like, man, everybody wants this autographs all the time. He's like, tell everybody, I got to sign something every day. I'm like, Griffey, stop being so good. <laughs> no, stop asking. I'm hitting homers. Yeah, just erase the 600 home runs that you had to this point. 600 homers, and you're going to the hall. Like, people are going to want your autograph, bro. I'm like, so he was perfect because we were on the bus. We all waited for Griffey to get off because when he got off the bus, everyone was like, Griffey, Griffey. And you can just slide on by because they don't want yours. So he was like our leader. Like, if you, like all those people who wanted stuff, like, they're all lined up. They're not there. They're not lined up to see us. Like, they're seeing Ichiro and Griffey. So, and he was always great about signing stuff. He's, he's a great human. He's really great, really great guy. Same with Ichiro. He's phenomenal. So, so it makes sense to me. You said that, you know, you get to slip on by. You like to fly under the radar just because you're you're obviously not an attention-seeking well, guy. I, I loved uh, talking to fans and, and signing stuff and talking to kids and taking time. I never It never bothered me. I thought it was part of the game. Kurt Stillwell did that for me. He came back in an off-season and did a camp, and I was like a sophomore in high school. And I went to his camp, and I like loaded in with questions. And he took his time, and like we had like a regular conversation. Like he was just a regular guy, and I was a regular kid. And I always remembered that. I was like, man, that felt so special to me. And like, 
when I got that opportunity, I wanted to always keep that in mind because it's just like, how, how long does it take to, to sign an autograph for a kid? And you have the autograph seekers, which I don't mind those guys anyway, because everyone's got like two autographs. You got the autograph seekers that just want like, hey, can you sign 47 cards? And you're like, so you got the like, <laughs> like the real quick one. But then like the kids are coming up, then you get the nice one, you can read it, you got your you know number on there, because you kind of had two a little bit, you know? So I, I never minded that part. I enjoyed talking. I just remembered who I was and where I came from, and I really enjoyed that process. And I think that's why, you know, Pittsburgh and I mesh so well, is because I was always about, you know, trying to go out there and, and make Pittsburgh proud. You know, they were, they were great fans. Uh, to me, they, they treated my wife and my kids awesome, you know, the whole time we were there. So... Uh, I was always about giving back as much as I could. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, it's cool. You still have a little bit of involvement with the organization, right? You get invited back to spring training every now and then? Uh, not spring training. I do their alumni stuff, like their fancy camps. And sometimes I'll show, you know, they'll have me come out to the stadium. It's a little different. I'm, you know, obviously four and a half, five hours away. Uh, so, and then last couple of years with COVID and stuff like that, I haven't been really able to get out. But I, I stay involved as much as I can, especially in, in, in coaching high school baseball. Sometimes we'll play against a kid that maybe um coming up with a draft they might be interested in you know they might reach out and be like hey what did you see about this kid i'd be like yeah sweet yeah he's this this and this so i try to help out as much as i can because they're still they i always felt they gave me an opportunity they traded for me they gave me an opportunity to be a big leader for a long time and i've always honored and and respected that and 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 so i try to do as much for them as i can now here's a tough one because you know you mentioned your time in seattle and of course you're primarily known for your time with the pirates you got to play in two of the nicest stadiums in all of baseball with with both pnc park and uh safeco field which is now i think is it t-mobile field which one was nicer who knows? Oh, PNC. 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 Okay, who knows the name <laughs> of Seattle's now? It's like they change it all the time. It was great. See, I love the field. The, the fans were awesome. The problem with, that I always had was like, okay, it's not a dome. It's an umbrella. So it's still freezing. Like when you go, you know, if you have a dome, like you're always thinking, oh man, I'm, it's going to be 79 degrees. It's going to be perfect weather to play. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to Seattle. It's like, it's a dome. It's like, no, it's not enclosed on the side. So it's cold even when it's cold and it's like, Oh man, just spend the extra 50 million, just close it up at the sides and we'll be good. So I was always cold. I was like, cause it, you know, it's, it's a little bit cooler there even in the summertime. So, but beautiful stadium, beautiful city, obviously the Emerald city is great. Fans were great. Um, really passionate about their big soccer, big time soccer fans. So it was always great to have the Seattle Sounders there. They would play, we would both play on a Saturday and one of us would have the night game. One of us the day game. And literally fans would go to one and then literally just parade down the street to the football stadium or the soccer stadium and watch that game. And I'd be right there in the parade after our my whole family would be dressed up in Seattle Sounders gear. And we'd be walking with the people from the baseball field to the soccer field so we can go watch our Sounders play. So loved, loved that part of it. It was a lot of fun. Now, uh, on the subject of stadiums and cities, obviously, you know, we're based here in New York City and you had a couple of opportunities to play at Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium during the final years there. Can you tell us a little bit about what stands out about those trips to New York? Yeah, New York was by far my favorite city, by far. We're big Broadway people. We love going to Broadway shows. Um, And that started with because, you know, family members, my family and then extended family would always look at the schedule and obviously we 
pick the cities they want to go to. You got your Chicago's. Some people like to go to Houston, you know, whatever, but everybody circles New York, you know? So, um, love no, the original stadium was so awesome. It smelled so bad, <laughs> but it was, but it was Yankee stadium. Like you didn't care. Like the, not too many places you're going to show up like two, three hours earlier than you normally do just to be there and walk around and stand in the box and look up where you got the babe on one side, you got Nick on both sides, Joe DiMaggio, like you're just standing there and looking at what they looked at. You know, there was nothing like that. So being able to get to play there a couple times before the new stadium was a, was a really big treat for me. I really loved it. I got to be the first pirate ever to hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. But someone when I hit it, we were always getting our butt kicked. So it was like, whatever, I hit a home run. Like, but it, it turned out it was the first time a Pittsburgh Pirate had ever hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. So I have that. Yo, so yeah, because that's right. They oh. never would have played them before in the regular right. season, right? 1960 World Series. That right. doesn't count. Yeah. So it was even then in the World Series, no Pirate had hit a home run during the World Series at New York. So. Yeah. So I, it was I cool didn't even know that. Like, I knew they, that the Yankees yeah. crushed him at home, but Ooh. I didn't know he didn't home runs. Afterwards, like, why are you talking to me? We just got blasted against <laughs> the Yankees. And that was like the Yankees Yankees where you had like Sheffield and you had uh, like Tino at first. And you had Robbie or Alfonso Soriano at second. And G, you're like, that Posada. Like, that was that team. You're like, oh, great. We're going to New York. Like, this will be fun. The 05 you team. Know? Oh, so, it's one of my favorite teams ever. Yes. They, they were. They were fun to play. Just a great place to play. Passionate fans, you know. And anytime you get to to go to New York and play against the Yankees, I mean, dude, those are. I think I pretty much remember every single game I played against the Yankees anywhere, home right? Just because it was it's the Yankees. It's different. It's just different. Yeah. Than any other. Team. It's not even close. You uh, you mentioned your love of Broadway. Did you like the arts growing up, or was that just from the road trips to New York City? No, we happened. We happened to go. We happened. My wife came out. Uh, and she she kind of wanted to make it just a, a, a me and her trip. You know, I was playing there and she's like, I'm just going to come and leave the kids back with her parents. And she brought a, uh, two of her cousins. So they were kind of doing like a girl's trip. And then we had a day game at the Yankee Stadium. So we're like, what are we going to do at night? I'm like, we should go see a show. And we had never seen a show before. And I'm like, I hear this wicked thing is pretty freaking awesome. So that was an opening to a whole new lifestyle because when I sat there and I watched Wicked all the way through, I was like, there's no way the rest of these things can be like this. This is amazing. So that became our thing. We, anytime we went to New York, we'd bring the kids, we'd take them to shows. And then we had, um, over the years, I had opportunities to play at like the Cooperstown for like the, the little Hall of Fame game they have. And then we would double it, go to New York hit a bunch of shows. We did New Year's Eve, I believe four years ago. So we did the whole ball drop, the whole nine yards. We did like five shows in like seven days. We have like a playbill notebook full of all of our playbills. Like it's, our kids love it. My son, not so much, but my <laughs> girls are big into it. You sound so, pretty into it too though, which is freaking awesome. That's I all love that matters. It. I, I think too, I think but people like, when you're at Broadway, you're the best of the best. So it's almost like when you go to Yankee Stadium and you're watching major leaguers, you're seeing the best in the world. And that's what Broadway is. You're talking about they, they're unbelievable singers, they're unbelievable actors and actresses. And it's just, you sit there in awe on how amazingly talented these people are. And to me, it's just, it's, I like to just sit back and, and see these, just what they can do. And it's like, you can watch a movie or you can listen to a CD or, or I said CD, sorry, it's a little outdated for everybody. <laughs> but, you can do that all you want, but man, when you sit there and you hear it live and you hear how unbelievable these people are, uh, I think it's just a joy to watch and it's just so much fun. So I, I love New York. We have Pantages Theater out here in Hollywood and LA. It's not even the same. It's like double A, triple A, like Broadway stuff. Because when you're in Broadway, you're the best of the best. So it's like, we've seen so many shows, Newsies, Jersey Boys. Wicked five times, I wow. think. Wow, you it's got me beat on Wicked. And that's one of the few shows that I've seen yeah. more than once. So that's... Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton was Hamilton on Broadway was something else. I mean, you need to sell your car to get a ticket. <laughs> it was amazing. Wait, it did you amazing. go when Lynn and Leslie were in the show? No. No. No, I didn't. No, I went just after. Just after. It was still amazing. Uh, you know, because at the, you know at the time we we just didn't match up with going to New York at the time. Plus, I think it was a lot higher price. Even now, it's not 
terrible. But back then when he was going and that original cast was going that you see, you know, you see on Disney plus, or you see, uh, are you here in, on the uh, recordings? Like that's, that was an amazing show. It's, it's nice. And, you know, so we, we'd love to go back at some point here pretty soon and catch some more. Cause there's always just great shows, but the talent is amazing. It's so much fun to watch. Dude. I would love nothing more than to hit up Broadway with you because as you know, our Let's backdrop go. here, man, baseball meets Broadway. And the fact, yeah. tell me when you watch the uh, Hamilton movie, what you have a favorite, like Leslie Odom jr. Song, the audience knows he's probably my favorite Broadway actor. What's your favorite? Yeah. Leslie song? He's, he was amazing. Like I, he was doing those commercials like nationwide is on your side, whatever he was doing. I was like, who is this guy? And then I saw Hamilton and then I saw, like he was, you know, the, in the original cast. I'm like, oh, okay, now I know. Because I didn't know who he was at the time when he was doing his commercials. Like, who's this dude? He sounds really good. You know, and uh, yeah, he was amazing. I love watching the Disney Plus and being able, you know, or, you know, being able to see the original cast. I thought, obviously, Lynn Manuel's brilliant and he's brilliant enough to tape it so we all can experience, you know, that original cast. Um, so, yeah, I, you know what? I, I can't really pick out a song. I think it, you know, it was funny too, because I didn't know in the originals before they got on Broadway, there was like nine more songs that are like secret, like didn't make it because it made it too long. And so like, I know he had some killer ones in there too. Um, from, from what the people were saying, we got a little backstage kind of thing when we got to go there and they said, yeah, it, was, it was actually like another 45 minutes longer. I was like, wow, <laughs> but, uh, but it was, yeah, it, it's amazing. And that's, a, that was a phenomenal cast. I wish I would have, got to see the original but the this cast we saw was amazing too yeah man holy cow it sounds like you have quite a ledger what's uh like out of all the playbills that you have like what's your favorite cover on a playbill Ooh, i mean i have them right you here got them with you? Them oh man mikey boy yeah, you're gonna have to yeah. take some screenshots of this what do we got no i do um i like the dear evan hansen one he's got his cast unsigned it hasn't been signed yet uh we did finding neverland that was a really with good Matthew one Morris, really, one of my yes. one of my absolute favorites yes he was phenomenal. Uh, Newsies actually was one is probably one of our top two or three. It was only on for that small period of time, and then right as it was getting super popular, it like bounced. And it was like wasn't on Broadway anymore, and that was that was amazing. We saw uh, I think her name's Kara Lindsay. Yeah, she's friend was, of our show. She came yes. on uh, Break It Back. She's insane. Like because we saw her in Newsies, and I was like, this girl's amazing. And then literally, like, the next time we went and saw Wicked, she was Glinda. That's right. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, you can do anything. Like, she was amazing. And then we just watched Newsies, uh, Newsies on Broadway that went back and, and recorded the original cast. You can watch that now. And got to see her sing again. I was like, man, yeah, she was one of our favorites. And, and yeah, that, that, that was a really cool show. I think we all ended up with, like, those Newsies newspaper kids hats. We all, like, they were, like, selling those. I think we all have those somewhere we were into it like that was a really really good show they did well done the dancing tap dancing everyone's tap dancing at the same time like this is pretty awesome kara was uh laughing i told her my favorite song in the whole show is obviously her big numbers watch what happens but they do the reprise version the reprise version of that and uh when i lived you know when back when i had a roommate with my buddy matt uh i used to i used to sing you know parts of that song it's like We've got a plan. And he would, I would sing that song so much that even he who doesn't even like Broadway was singing that, that reprise. It was so yeah. damn catchy. <laughs> yeah. Now that, yeah, she, she's in a, and that's stuff for people you talk about. You talk about these amazing, and that nobody, unless you really follow Broadway, you don't really know. You're like, oh, we can talk about all these superstars on, on movies and stuff. But, and, but the talent that's there on a nightly basis in that city is just, oh, I'm so like, I wish I could be there. I wish I lived there. That'd be amazing. Bro, anytime you want, man, you got a parking spot. We're going to Broadway. (laughs) There it is. I love it. I love it. I'm in. Who's the uh, coolest person you ever got to sign a playbill? I didn't get anybody to sign a playbill. I, I, I tried. I, even when I do, I'm such an idiot that I, we had backstage hookup at Hamilton and we met all the actors and I'm just like, hi, like, oh, I'm going to talk. And I'm like, I I don't even have the right mind to bring out a freaking Sharpie (laughs) and and get a a signature. And like, this is the dumbest thing. I look back now. I'm like, and you say that I'm going, well, I'm an idiot. All right. Cause apparently I got nothing. We'll send it. We'll just send something to car. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll take care of it for you. There we go. I love right. Carl Lizzie. She's so great. And I, I got to tell her that uh, you're a big fan of her. Did you meet her when you were here? No, no. Cause like we, we, 
you know, with, with the kids, they were like, we would like see the show and then like, we'd have to go, what's the, uh, juniors, right? Juniors. Oh, the bakery. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun. Of course. Yes. So that was, we, we pretty much hit that almost every, every night. And then is the, is the restaurant where all the waitresses are, are singers and stuff. And Oh, it's uh, like, Ellen uh, Stardust Diner. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still there. Oh yeah. Like, I heard it. Yep. Awesome. That was always a, a, those two places were our main after a show, before a show, that's where we would go eat. So, so we really didn't have time to really hang out and wait for the cast to come out and stuff like that and do autographs. And in retrospect, you kind of look back and wish you did if you had an opportunity to do that, because we keep the playbills in this little notebook and stuff because it's special. We, we really enjoyed, you know, our time and seeing these shows and we tell people about it, like, especially if it comes out here to Hollywood, like go see this show. It's amazing. Like we saw it on Broadway. So it's, um, it's just a really cool part of our lives that I think we'll always have, especially with our girls to be able to go and say, Hey, let's go, let's go see a show. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Now, Jack, I'm Italian. I'm going to give you one suggestion for your next trip to New York. When you do make oh. it back here, you got to go to Tony's Sinopoli, best family style yeah. Italian. That's, that's my, there's a lifelong New Yorker. I can't give a better endorsement of, a, right. a, of a post show spot to eat. Yeah. My wife is all about Italian food. So. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. Now, Jack, you've been absolutely epic in the batter's box today. We do a little segment here on the show that's probably going to take you back to your playing days because uh, you're right. going to envisual, you know, you're going to visualize me as a Raul Chapman right now. You know, just the fastest throwing man ever. Oh, no. An arsenal okay. of fastballs. Did you ever face Chapman when you were? Yeah, because you might have. I so wanted to. I so wanted to. I, he was with the Reds, and we never matched. I think he went to. He was with the Reds when I went over to Seattle, so we never matched up. And I totally wanted to because I love dudes that threw hard. I like love the fastball. So I really wanted to see what 102 looked like because back then he was the only one doing it. Now everybody does it apparently. <laughs> everybody knows 100 miles an hour. It's crazy. But I, want, I really wanted to see that at the time. But now it's like you turn on the TV and average Joe's pumping 102 already. So it's kind of not, not a thing anymore. Well, here's your <laughs> chance to see Araldus Chapman right in front of you without the neck tattoos or anything like that or any anger issues. Right. Um, and I'm going to throw some fastballs your way. Um, think of it like the bottom of the ninth. Chapman's on the mound throwing 105. You got to think quick. Uh, give your best swing. Oh, I'll ask you a question. <laughs> you tell me what comes to mind. How does that sound? All right. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. All right, Jack. I get some, I'll try to throw some. Don't worry. It's not okay. trivia. Just... Give it your best shot, Good. and we can make fun of you if the uh, if we don't like the answer. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> okay, um, favorite New York City meal? Ellen's Diner. Okay. Toughest pitcher you ever had to face? Jake Peavy. Coolest piece of memorabilia you kept from your playing career? Crap. Um, coolest piece. I have an all-star glove that's made for the all-star game in 2004 with all the shortstops that were in that game. So Barry Larkin, Derek Jeter, um, Michael Young. Yeah, probably that one. Or Ichiro. I have a pair of Ichiro shoes. Those are pretty cool too. That is pretty damn cool. You just round off a tie. bunch of Hall of Famers. Cool. Yeah, Larkin, yeah, yeah. Ichiro, Jeter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, my boys. And you, saw, and you signed <laughs> alongside them. There we go. That's perfect. Yeah. You know what? I didn't sign that glove. Oh, I should probably do that. <laughs> It's too involved getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Most embarrassing on the field moment. Uh, I had a ball go between my legs against Texas in a one run game with one out in the ninth. And we ended up losing that. They ended up walking us off. So anytime ball between the legs, I don't care where you're at. It's pretty, pretty darn embarrassing, but not the right time to do it there. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the lead in one Broadway musical. What is it? Yeah, Newsies. You'd yeah. be a good Jack. Hey, you are Jack, so there Santa you go. <laughs> you're going to Santa Fe. Bottom line. It's crutchy. Yeah, you already, you already <laughs> got the uh, advantage with your name. That's perfect. Yeah. Soundtrack from a Broadway flop, a show that didn't do as well, that you enjoy the most. I don't know. I have all the, like, I'm the kid, the girls listen to all the, the gems. So, like, we'll go back and forth between Hamilton We'll do Newsies. We'll do Dear Evan Hansen. I don't have any of the floppers. 
Although now I'm a tick, tick, boom, dude. So we just watched that the other day. It was amazing and, and learning about his life and rent and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm going to jump on that bag wagon now too. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good bandwagon to jump on. I'm a, I'm a front runner, I guess. I just got all the, all this, all the awesome ones. Well, the good thing about but the- you know, California is not exactly my fault. <laughs> all the great ones make it over here, right? So like Wicked comes to California, like Newsies comes to California. Like if it doesn't make it there, we don't really see it. Right. Well, the good thing about Rent is if you even if you go watch the movie, I think it's on HBO Max now, most of the original Broadway cast is in the movie and they shot it like, you know, maybe 10 years after it was on Broadway. So, uh, right. yeah, I would check. That's a, I'm glad you as watched a, Tick, Tick, Boom, because I think uh, as a do you do you think it's good? The movie, the Rent movie? I've heard I've heard mixed reviews on the movie compared to the show. Well, here's the thing. I never got to see it on stage, so I can only speak for the movie. I like. I like the music in it. I like the cast. I think, you know, I would probably did does my love of Adina Menzel influence my decision a bit perhaps, but overall it's worth a watch. If you're in that headspace especially now that you know a little bit about Jonathan Larson with uh Tick Tick Boom, I'd say it's worth a watch. Right. Would you well how would you rate it between what they did with Jersey Boys? Jersey Boys show Jersey, the Jersey Boys movie. Jersey Boys movie terrible. There you go. Okay, because Jersey Boys, the show is amazing. It's right? epic on stage, but that movie yeah. was just garbage. I'm not Clint Eastwood saw it, and he's like, "I got a Clint Eastwood this," and I'm like, yeah. "Well, done's in there, and you can make it a Clint Eastwood movie." Like, it's like, <laughs> how do you not make a Joe Pesci? Uh, right? How how do you not make Joe Pesci epic? You know, like that's yeah. what I mean. And yeah. even Fre- I mean, this is no disrespect on any of the actors. I just think that the vision that they had in mind was just uh, misguided. It's hard. It's hard because I think that they were like, "When is Wicked going to be a movie?" And you're almost like, "I kind of hope it doesn't." Well, look at what Just happened because... with the Dear Evan Hansen movie. A lot of people felt Rather the same way. Both. Well, the dude's 32 <laughs> and he's playing high schooler, so <laughs> it didn't stop. Uh, didn't stop them from making Grease with uh, in the 70s with Soccer Channing in like her mid 30s playing a high school. <laughs> That's true. She pulled it off, I think. I think she pulled it off. The pink with the pink ladies. She pulled that one off, though. That that movie's. That was kind of like the original for me. Like I was saying, this was a show. This is pretty good. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Still to me, the pinnacle movie musical, hands down. Oh, yeah. 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 Everything kind of bows down to that one. Grease will be forever. Like that'll never go away. That's the truth. Jack Wilson's favorite late night snack. It's uh, 2 a.m. You're on the, maybe not 2 a.m., but it's midnight. You're on the couch hanging out. What are you grabbing? It's probably chips and salsa. Most likely. Fact about Jack Wilson that would surprise people the most. I love Broadway shows. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'm sorry, I cannot have a conversation with people out here about this stuff. Like, this is the first time I've been able to talk about it to anybody that's not my own kids ever because they'll look at me like, what? Like, I'm like, yeah, never mind. Why do you think we never started mind. Break a Bet, man? Our job here is to provide a platform platform for fans of sports and the arts and you embody that bro this is epic you're, the, you're building the bridges right there Thank you're you. building the bridge through two and it's just like you know because you you can explain it so much and they're like yeah we don't get it like i have to drag people to go see i drag people to go see wicked at pantasia like will you please come i'm like i will put on wizard of oz on the car ride there so you can get in the mood <laughs> please come see the show and then they do and they like Oh my gosh. I said, I told you now, every time I say something, you're going to come with me because I don't want any more questions. Cause I can't give you the movie to Jersey boys and ruin it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Jack, this is epic. Now this is the last fast fall. Um, you know, feel free to answer it any way you want. What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think my, my dad, you know, it, it told me like to just be yourself at all times. Like there was this quote that I saw in an elevator. It reminded me of my dad and what he said. It said it was in the elevator in Seattle. It's just random, like daily quote of the day in an elevator. They said, be yourself because the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind. I was like, oh man, that's, that's good. That's good. There's one of, one of two quotes that I live by in my life. The other one was from Professor Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, now you got to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's obviously going to be your yeah, next right? show. I know. I'm not on that. Hey, Mr. Dumbledore, <laughs> Professor told Harry, he says, they're going to come at a point in time where you have to choose between what's right and what's easy. And when you're teaching high school baseball players about life, like 
Dumbledore comes in handy quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. damn truth. So just be yourself. I mean, it's just be yourself. I mean, you know, be a good person, be kind to others, love everybody. You know, it's you get one life to live. There's confrontations and all that good stuff, all the negativity that we face in the world at every given moment. You're like, you know what? You, you just got to you know, look at the bright side, try to stay positive and, and, and do the best with what you got. Jack, I absolutely love it, man. Dude, this is you, you've got a parking spot reserved. Anytime you want to come on and talk some Broadway, dude, the Badger's yes. box is all yours, man. Beautiful. No, this was great. Like I said, I don't get to talk about the passion for, for Broadway shows and all the, you know, whatever, 4,000 miles away, whatever we are. But uh, no, I'm happy, man. This is a lot of fun. I, like I said, this stuff is, is really cool to me. Jack, thank you, brother. I so appreciate it. And for all the folks at home who may want to connect with you on Instagram, social media, where's the best place for them to find you? Dude, I don't even know my Instagram name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link I, it, folks. Yeah, uh, link it for me, would you? <laughs> my girls got me on Instagram during COVID. They're like, Dad, you need to get on. I'm like, really? Like, this stuff is so, like, I don't get it half the time. But, you know. Yeah, I don't even know mine. It's like underscore something. I don't know what it is. But if you if you can link, <laughs> I'll link you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It's Jack dot Wilson underscore two. That's it. Apparently, it looks fake. That's what all my USA players are telling me. Like, coach, you got to give it a different Instagram title. Everybody think it's a fake one. I was like, this is just what they gave me when I signed up. So <laughs> I don't want to change it and mess it all up. But it looks fake. So if it looks fake and it has my name, it's probably me. (laughs) Jack, you're the absolute man. Thank you again, my friend. No, I appreciate it. This was a blast. Thanks, Al. Uh, My pleasure. And uh, thank you to all the folks at home who listened to us tonight. Uh, One of my favorite baseball chats. uh, One of my favorite baseball meets Broadway chats that we've ever had. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, to all of you in our audience. So with that being said, we're going to close out the ball game. This is Al Malafronte signing off from the batter's box. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.